0: Food is fuel for your body, your mind, and definitely your sport. But let's face it, nutrition is confusing and the expectations on girls and women to be thin and have a six pack are exhausting. If you've ever been frustrated with your body, confused about nutrition, obsessed with eating healthy or guilty when you don't, underate, overate, or overtrained and overwhelmed with all the pressure, then this podcast is for you nutrition can be easy. You can take control of it, but it might start with letting go of control by asking for help and making a change. I'm Lindsay Elizabeth Cortez, sports dietitian and owner of Rise Up Nutrition, where I empower female athletes to overcome nutrition concerns and perform at their highest level. To stop being confused by all the mixed or harmful messages and finally have confidence in your body as a fierce, fit and fueled female athlete. Today's episode is thanks to our Patreon members and our affiliates and partners. Head to Patreon.com/slash FemaleAthleteNutrition to join our membership or donate to the podcast. And stay tuned to hear about some amazing deals and discounts from our partners, including Prevenix, Inside Tracker, Orgain, Practice Better, and Jen and Carrie. But for now, we're getting right to the show. Enjoy.
1: Hi fans and listeners, Lindsay Cortez here, your host of the podcast, Owner of Rise of Nutrition. Really excited for today's guest, Kelly Newland. She's the chef and owner of Real Athletes Diets. Kelly is a lifelong professional chef and runner. Real Athlete Diets, aka RAD, came to fruition in 2014 when Kelly realized it was obvious that these two worlds were meant to merge. She lives in the foothills of Boulder, Colorado, with her husband and their great Dane and St. Bernard. We're going to get into her experiences as a chef today and her passion for fueling athletes. Kelly, thanks for joining me.
2: Thanks so much for having me, yeah,
1: so I'm shocked to say that you are the first chef after two and a half years of podcasting. You're the first chef that we're interviewing because it seems. Obvious to me with a nutrition podcast to include some culinary experts, but you are our first, so you can take pride in that <laughs> and um, and I'm really excited to kind of dive into this. I kind of wanted to start with just your experiences as a chef. Is this something that like as a kid or as a teen, did you love cooking like and and know you know that oh I, this is what I want to do or something that developed more over time?
2: Yeah, gosh, that's such an important question. I'm one of those kind of weird situation or scenarios where when I was five, I used to watch, this was long before the Food Network was ever on and Celebrity Chefs didn't really exist. But on PBS, I was born in 1970, I'm 52, but on PBS, you can watch Julia Child and Yan Can Cook. So that when I was five years old, that was what was what sparked me inside of me, like I'm gonna be a chef. When I was five, I knew I was like, this is what I'm gonna do. And I also, when I was five, ran my first race, running race. And so I was like, I proclaimed, I was like, that's I'm gonna be a runner. I remember telling my mom. So both of those when I was like single digit kiddo were like Mm -hmm. just imprinted in me.
1: I love that. And yeah, I grew up watching, I guess, the Food Network was in, in my childhood, but like, I just grew up watching it. And I think that really sparked a passion for food myself, not, not dieting. And, you know, I went down the path of becoming a dietitian that wasn't, but just like the love of food and the flavors and getting in the kitchen and stuff. So that you know, that's certainly one positive of TV
2: <laughs> like sure, yeah. exposure to
1: things like that. Yeah. 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 And hopefully everybody knows who Julia Child is, but she's somebody who may, you know brought delicious meals to the everyday, you know, household. So she was, you know, one of the most famous chefs, really. Yeah. And so you got to watch her and fell in love with it right away.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And Julia is, you know, she's iconic, male or female or anything that anytime you think of cooking or just the history of food in any part of the world, Julia Child is top of that list. So yeah and and she was a runner i'm not sure if you're aware of that but she used to run now she was yeah i think she was she might have been 6 feet tall very mm-hmm. very tall and she she loved running i didn't know that yeah i no clue yeah
1: so you guys share so you you had that bond with her from the beginning
2: <laughs> yeah
1: right but i'm always curious so you were interested in cooking at such a young age like and and some some kids and youth today have just no knowledge and experience in the kitchen. Like, do you remember some of your first meals that you, you know, put together as like a seven-year-old or a 10-year-old, you know, was it just really simple stuff or were you already like really experimenting and exploring?
2: Uh, No, all very simple. And, you know, in that stage of my life, when we're kids, we love sweets. So I was obsessed with chocolate. I don't know what, what... (sighs) flip that switch in my brain, but mm-hmm. I used to dream about it. I don't know if other kids do that. <laughs> dream about candy. What are you thinking about candy? Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I I was just obsessed with chocolate. So absolutely, I would say without pause, the first few things I made were just always you know surrounding chocolate. And that is still a huge just love in my life. Just mm-hmm. Working with those together, just the food in general and the t- and technique of cooking and learning to understand the ins and outs of chocolate, but yeah, always chocolate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. You know, and I think even just, as you said, learning to understand the ins and outs of, of chocolate or any food, it's like, you know, some people just have this, this mindset of like cooking can feel like a a chore or something they're doing just to feed themselves or fuel themselves, but it's really something you can learn about and there are different techniques and, you know, flavor profiles and it's, it's really, you know, something you can, it can become, yeah, just something to, to learn and explore as opposed to just something you do, you know? Yeah. Of course, you know this. <laughs>
2: I love that comment and, and so much of it. I think about anything in life, it's this way of like that one ingredient, understanding one ingredient and what you can do with that. It's like understanding a, what a hype. High- what you want in a hydration pack or what you want in your shoes. But even I, I just worked with an athlete a couple of days ago, an FKT attempt, a very long, like couple week long FKT attempt. And her stomach was just really giving her a hard time. She's like, I feel like I just, if I could just like, if I, you know, like when you're drinking and you're sick or if you have the flu and you're sick and you're like, if I could just, somehow throw up, I would feel better. And this is it totally, yeah. feels like a random conversation, but I feel like I swear there's a point. Um, okay, <laughs> And in my head immediately, I was like, okay, that's where she's at. And she just can't get there. I need, to, I would love to give her something that's like lemon or citrus, something that's high in acid to help kind of prompt that kind of gag reflex to mm-hmm. help reset her stomach and everything else. And just in doing that, she didn't like, cause you, you know, we don't want to, end up throwing up because that's that's a whole nother chain of bad things often, (laughs) especially Mm -hmm. if you're out in the woods. But I knew if I could kind of just somehow like flip that kind of gag reflex to help reset and settle everything Mm -hmm. that she would be all right. And that's what we did. And it was like, okay, what foods are going to prompt that right now? So understanding individual products is really important and what they do and how we respond to them, especially as an athlete when we're, we're out in the middle of nowhere trying to do things.
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. And so that's something because, you know, this is your, your career and your passion. You, you can really easily identify those things of like, okay, what, what's going to sound most tolerable, most appetizing, or actually even like maybe, you know, fix a problem, whether it be taste, acidity, textures, consistencies, but yeah, other people who don't have great experience with food cooking or just individual ingredients might not like kind of put two and two together with those things that their those things that their body is telling them. And I guess I bring this up because you know there's this movement and and trend of the, the you know the term uh, intuitive eating, which is really wonderful. And I speak of it often, but it's like okay, so intuitive eating—we have to be in tune with our body. We have to know what are we craving? What are we feeling like? What sounds good? What could be satisfying appetizing? And like, then you also have to know food to match that up, right? Like saying like, I want something sweet. It's like, does that mean you want a sweet blueberry or a chocolate tort? Those are two very different things and they're both sweet, right? So yeah, it, there's there's a lot of depth in in getting into this. So so maybe just to kind of continue with with your culinary experiences. So after, so right after high school, you went to the Culinary Institute of America to you know get your degree and training in this, correct?
2: Shortly after high school, I, as a teenager, I worked in professional restaurants, and then I stayed working for another year and a half or two years before I went to the CIA. But yeah, that was key. And honestly, like the, I don't know if you're familiar with where the Culinary Institute of America is in in New York. It's in High Park, New York, on the Hudson River and surrounded by, you know, Catskills and so many beautiful trails and forests. And that, I had always loved trail running, but when I got out there, I was able to really truly embrace that. Whereas I grew up in Indiana and, you know, I spent a lot of time all joking aside, running through cornfields because that's what we're surrounded by. And I'm from my hometown in Indiana is the literal, the literal hometown of Orville Redenbacher. Oh, um, wow. like, he was a real guy. Yeah. <laughs> but when I got to school in New York, it was just mountains and gorgeous and this just beautiful wooded trails, single track that I was just blown away by. And it allowed me to really acquaint myself with the sport and become friends with it. It's also where I learned about ultra running and, uh, yeah, it was just fantastic. I felt like I had been waiting my entire life for both of those experiences. And once again, food and running came together in a really just organic way.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It is a, a beautiful area of the country and also has all the different seasons too that really like shape the mountains and the trails and the rivers and lakes and stuff. You know, it's, you get such a different feel with those area like in the summer versus the winter and the spring. It's so different all year round. So it's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So could you give our listeners, because you, like you said, in high school, post high school, you were working as a chef or, you know, as a cook already, and then, and then you dove deeper into it. Like for some people who just maybe aren't aware of this as a career field, what are some like career options? You know, there's executive chef, there's line chef, sous chef, there's you right now own your own business. So we'll get into what that looks like. But yeah, I, I guess I'm just wondering, oh, and then there's like, you know, you can specialize, right? You can be a pastry, you know, I don't know. Could you kind of just give us like a rundown because you've done a lot yeah. of just like things you've done or or just like career options for people who are interested in. I love
2: that question so much because one of my favorite things about the food industry and, and I don't refer to it as the restaurant industry and haven't for a while because of your question. There's so many options. You don't, so many of us, when you first hear about it, you're like, Oh, they're a chef. So therefore they must work in a restaurant or they're a pastry chef. So therefore they must work in a bakery. And when I started my business, it was like, this: how can I merge these two together? And and does this already exist? Or okay, it doesn't exist. No one else is doing this, which is insane in Boulder, Colorado, that no one else is doing what I'm doing. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, which, you know, I'll put a pin in that because that's a different conversation as, as to why no one else is doing it. But I grew up a line cook. And then I, you know, when I went to the Culinary Institute, you can either go through baking and pastry program or you go through the culinary program. And I'd always been interested in pastry, but I wasn't super stoked about it to the point where I would have done an entire career doing it or degree. So I easily um, without pause chose the culinary Hmm. program. And within that it's two years year round. You don't get summers off like in normal schools. You just go to school for two years, but six months of that program was focused on baking and pastry So I had a solid base when I graduated enough that I could survive. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so then you can decide what you want to do. Or in my case, which made me a more valuable asset in a career and in an actual position, a job was I had a good balance of both baking and pastry. So wherever I was, if, you know, if there was a, you know, a reason that someone had to be let go because of, you know, business just wasn't doing well, or they need, you know. they just didn't need as many people. My job, as long as I was doing it well, was for the most part safe because I could switch. Mm-hmm. It. And then yeah. you don't have to hire another person because you can just put this person in either side. But gosh, there's so many things. I mean, you could work in the cruise line, you could work in hotels, you could work at small individual private owned restaurants, you could work at inns, bed and breakfast, you could work. For um, let's say a stadium like Mile High Stadium, and work and feed, you know, sports teams within, you know, or at that stadium, there's private being a private chef. there's catering. I mean, it's endless. It yeah. really is.
1: Yeah, and kind of bringing it back to sport too. There's yes, so many of these professional teams, NFL teams, NHL teams, like have chefs. In the collegiate setting with training tables, there's chefs and they, and they're now becoming, it's, it's a subspecialty even of like a sports chef, you know, the sports nutrition chef is becoming a new subspecialty. And then, yeah, I, I love that reminder too. If it's not, I mean, it, yes, restaurants are a big portion of this, but even kind of broadening that and even more like service industry of like, you know, hotels, bed and breakfast, cruise lines, things like that. Oh, uh, that, yeah, there's, there's lots of opportunities there. They're yeah, cool.
2: absolutely. They're sort of endless. And as the decades kind of grow, there's even more opportunity. And I feel like because I grew up and working in restaurants and in the mayhem of that, I'm good at being disorganized in chaos. I'm used to chaos. Yeah, uh, I I also am first generation American. My mom's side of the family is from Ukraine. Like she came over here, escaped as a child. So I'm oh, wow. used to living like I grew up in a really loud household with a lot of yelling and mayhem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the the professional kitchen in a restaurant for me, where I would see new people come in and they were like, "Oh my god, this is insane!" And I was just like at peace in there. <laughs> uh, yeah.
1: So that I think that's what you hear from some of the best chefs because the restaurant industry does have I, I do watch a lot of cooking and restaurant shows on TV. Now yeah, Netflix, documentary. I because I just love food. I really do. And so it's fun to watch those things. And like I as much as I love food, I could never have the job of a chef at a restaurant because I just think that lifestyle, the turnover, the 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 deadlines, you know, that it's just like it's just and when I say deadline, it's because like the meal needs to be served like now.
2: now <laughs> yeah. It's just like the very like Yeah, um, you can't put it on your calendar I, and circle back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's really interesting. Um I so I'm on all on contract basis. And uh mm. every once in a while, it's a rare occasion, but every once in a while if I need help, I'll hire another like I'll hire like a local someone else who's a chef to do contract work with me. And the people who have not worked in restaurants are not people I hire a second time. Yeah. And so my my advice, if someone wants to do kind of what, what I, my scenario of what I'm doing is, especially if you want to spend your life in the food industry, is absolutely to work in a restaurant first, because it's that experience that nothing phases me. Fires, I mean, random <laughs> floods, yeah. Nothing works. Like something happens in the middle of the night. Um, I spent ten years as a pastry chef, and my job was at one in the morning. Oh my god! And wow! And was you know wow. absolutely like sixty to eighty hours a week. So you're going in at one in the morning, and that's what you're working. Um, but why
1: is that? Because you had to have pastries fresh for the morning. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. and the kitchen is often hot, and there's not a, like, like most kitchens are really small, so you don't have room for two all these shifts to work at the same time. But yeah. it's because of that lifelong experience that I have, gosh, 20 plus years working in restaurants as in that mayhem that's, um, yeah. that has made me good at my job. Yeah. It's that, that is the key to all of it. You know, when I see other people trying to do things and they're struggling and I'm like, there's such an easier way to do that. And I'm like, Oh, of course, mm-hmm. how would they know? And it's not at a, like a, Something that this person is not doing properly, but they just haven't seen all these 12 other ways that you had, That if you somehow right. needed to in the line of fire, right. you're like, oh, I know this trick because A, B, and C. So that has been really yeah. crucial in helping me uh, sit and survive in the crazy stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: Hey fans, I hope you are enjoying this conversation so far and we'll be back to it in just a moment. But first, I want to pause and let you know that this episode is brought to you by the Female Athlete System of Transformation, aka a fast track to overcome disordered eating and use food as fuel to perform at your highest level. The Female Athlete System of Transformation is my unique program and proven systems to guide female athletes to understanding and implementing the proper nutrition for their sport, life, and health. Myself and my team of registered sports dietitians work one-on-one with clients to address their unique needs and counsel them through the nutritional and behavioral changes needed. Many female athletes who resonate with disordered eating, mental guilt around food and body, relative energy deficiency in sport or female athlete triad, amenorrhea, repeat injuries due to negligent nutrition, or frankly, just a lack of knowledge and understanding on their fueling needs have seen incredible success in the fast track. After years of working as a sports RD, I've compiled the most effective ways for female athletes to learn nutrition, be supported, be challenged and ultimately find their success with fueling as fast as possible so don't wait another day get to your goals faster by joining the female athlete system of transformation look in the show notes or head to the website to book a free call and learn more okay now let's get you back to the conversation enjoy
1: you know, you're really making me reflect on my career as well, too. And I just, you know, between high school and college, worked in restaurants between being a hostess, waitress, back of the house. And I think that was really helpful in pursuing a career in nutrition and dietetics mm-hmm. and just understanding food. And then to become a dietitian, we do rotations. And so like I did work in get training in food service, more so from like um Catering standpoint within a hospital, you know, the meals provided in a hospital and actually like not just being the hospital dietitian, but like, you know, working in the kitchen. Right. It's funny. You said you don't freak out when there's a fire during my internship. Me and one of my best friends who were doing an in- internship in the back of the house of uh, Dune Food Service in a hospital definitely started a, a fire with, uh, <laughs> with oil.
2: <laughs> it's so easy for tragedy to happen immediately, right? Yes. How did I lose control so fast? It was just
1: like, I don't know, we were cooking a stew or something and then fire. I was like, oh my God, we're like 20 years old. and Yeah. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I think that experience is really important because then I had this really notable point in my, it was just like notable event in my career when I was working for the military where I had to organize like a menu and, and catering and work with military chefs and do this, like it was just this huge, like three week long cooking event that I was working side by side with the chefs and me as the dietitian to, you know, provide these meals. And, you know, I don't think that I, as a dietitian, have had I not had the experiences really with the restaurant industry, I don't think I would have been able to really do that, you know, and, and it was part of my job as a dietitian. And so, yeah, these experiences are really great. So you're just getting me to kind of reflect on, on the importance of, of, yeah. of that. Um,
2: it sounds like you were in it. Yeah. I, lo- I always love chatting with my uh, RD friends out of their past funny experiences about that time. And I'm <laughs> like, it's <a> <laughs> humbling <laughs> on a daily yeah. basis, but still you're still laugh able to laugh about it. So that's good. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> Okay and and so let's kind of get back to this merging of of your two passions of cooking and and running. So you yourself is just a, a lifelong runner and then loving the trails and things like that. Do you mind me asking what brought you out to Colorado in the first place? That's where you are now.
2: Yeah. Gosh, as a kid even I felt pulled west. I wasn't sure where, but I knew I just needed to be west. And then after I graduated from culinary school, I stayed in upstate New York and worked in the Finger Lakes at a winery for a couple of years. And I was cooking at the winery. And also, I was around wine constantly, obviously. I worked in the in the fields, learning how to tie vines. And it was such an immersive, like, extraordinary experience. And I was like, well, if I'm going to be here doing this, I need to utilize, like, because you're tasting wine every day. So your palate is never as as like keen as it is when you're doing that sort of thing. So mm-hmm. I started studying studying to become a psalm. I got my second um, level with the chord masters and then I received a job offer from uh, a restaurant in Virginia called The Trellis and it was in Williamsburg, Virginia. and it was owned by the founder of Death by Chocolate, the original book Death by Chocolate. And the only position they had available was, so, and at the time it was like top five restaurants in the country. So I was like, well, obviously I have to go. And yeah, so he, at the time it was like on the map and the only position they had was on their baking and pastry team. And they're like, can you work at one in the morning? I was like, sure, no problem. Huge problem. (laughs) (laughs) It's so hard for anyone who's never done it. And I did it for 10 years and it was, it's brutal, like physically and emotionally just beats the crap out of your body. But, and I also, I I started like, you know, uh, entry level on that team. And then within about a year, year and a half, their assistant pastry chef moved. And so that position was open and I somehow got that position and stumbled through that and learned quickly. And, you know, it, it was very obvious to me that there was a stack of hundreds of resumes on the chef's desk of like, these are people that want your job. So, you know, you bust your butt to make it work or you're out of there. And the next guy's up about six months after I took that position, just when I was starting to kind of get myself together and wasn't a hot mess anymore, or as much of a hot mess, the pastry chef took a position somewhere else. And the natural progression of that restaurant is to move up the chain of command Mm -hmm. So I somehow became the pastry chef in like a minute. And I was like, holy crap. Wow. And (laughs) I remember this because I had just worked 30 days straight. And the next day I was supposed to have a day off. And I was so excited about it. And I got home. And I remember telling him before I left that day, it's like, just, you know, I'm going to give my notice and it's not going to go well. I was like, you're going to be fired and I'm going to have to work tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) And that's what happened. Wow.
1: That's what happened. You didn't get your day I off. I didn't for
2: like another three months. You're
1: supposed to be rewarded with a promotion, yep. but you
2: didn't get your day Did off. Not exist. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's how that happened. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So so amazing. And then so. And, you know, what I, what I love, too, is, like, rad, that's cool and everything. And also, like, on, on your website, you, you know, you talk about the importance of, like, not following these nutrition fads. Like, let's not follow the fads. Let's be rad. I like that. <laughs> but ultimately, you know, one of your slogans is creating delicious performance-oriented food for athletes. So let's just start first and foremost with you telling listeners a bit about your, your business and what rad is. It's not a restaurant. But you are providing food to athletes and many elite athletes in, you know, you're, you're in Boulder, but you you travel and stuff. So kind of just give us a rundown of like, what, what is your mission with Rad and what what are you doing?
2: Yeah. So my, my elevator pitch when people ask who don't know me at all is I'm a chef and I own a business focused on feeding endurance athletes. So what does that look like? We're almost 10 years old at this point we stopped preparing and providing individual meals about 6 or 7 years ago our focus now is primarily on events training camps team summits i'll often travel with an athlete for or team for a race and stay with them at like a you know a vrbo and feed the team for a week or two i do a bit of traveling let's say 50% of our business is in the front range of colorado and then the rest is travel, mm-hmm. and that could be anywhere in the United States or North America or across the globe. I work with runners, cyclists, swimmers, skiers. Right now, I'm feeding three NBA basketball players from the Denver Nuggets, which is really amazing. Primarily, athletes that play in the dirt, like that. You know, we kind of do what we we are pulled to ourselves, right? Right, um, right, yeah, and. Yeah, I have a really neat project this summer with a swimmer from South Africa. Uh, he's going to swim at the length of the Hudson River, wow. and and his project is very environmentally focused, which is a huge pull for me. The more work I can do with brands and athletes that have that focus, the ha- the happier I am. And yeah does this does that make sense? It- <laughs> Absolutely, yes. You're you're ultimately,
1: you know building out these contracts, be it with an athlete or a team to support their fueling needs for an event or, you know, a a time period in their, in their life. Yeah. You know, my, my husband's in the military and this week he's, he's doing training up in Idaho and they, with a group and, and they have a chef because they're, they're training all day long. And so they, you know, they have a chef that's Thankfully theirs because otherwise they're in the middle of nowhere doing training. Like they can't go to restaurants, so they and nor do they have time because they're training all day. Yeah. Um, so it's it's interesting, like these contracts, you know. So it's just and and the importance though, it's not just, oh, here's food. It's here's food for what you are doing physically, right? And really supporting that goal for the the client that you're working with. So maybe like what does for you what does performance-oriented food mean? Like, do you have a definition of that
2: yourself? Um, well, first I'll tell you when I work with athletes or teams, if someone's like, can you help me figure out what to eat for whatever? My very first response is always, and always has been, I'm not a registered dietitian. Please see one first. <laughs> and then I am happy to chat, with, to chat with you on the information they've given you, or you can connect mm-hmm. me with your RD. I have yeah. hundreds of hours of nutrition courses, but I am so, not yeah. a registered dietitian. And I know that there is a very clear line on that. So I always direct people to speak to an RD. Mm-hmm. And whether it's every year or every other year, kind of depending on like what's new or if, is there enough for me to really deep dive into this and take another course through And get another and get another like nutrition like endurance sports nutrition certificate or Mm -hmm. should I wait until next year kind of thing and I take as many I take as much continuing education as I feel I need to to keep up with the RDS Mm -hmm. I'm communicating with and to know Mm -hmm. what to do out in the field if I can't get service and call an RD (laughs) and it Mm -hmm. just helps so that kind of circles back to your question I think it's individual the answer for that is very individual right because what yeah i need for performance food is different than what you need for performance food mm-hmm. like as a 52 mm-hmm. year old woman what i need is different than what my 44 year old husband needs mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. it's different for each person but i think it's the food that's the fuel that's required to help us train and recover on a daily basis for what's going on in that person's life mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely. And I love that. And I just love the connection that the the work that dietitians and chefs can do together. And yeah, I had a a work contract just a couple of years ago in North Carolina, providing nutrition education and consult consulting for like these fitness camps going Mm on. And a huge part of my job was coordinating with the caterer because we had a caterer that heard the term fitness camp and just had all these like salads and grilled chicken. And I was like, this isn't what I'm teaching is a balanced plate and and the appropriate fueling. And, and it was a fitness camp where they were training hard every day as well. And so it was like, I had to work with the chef to let him know at that time of like the importance of getting in the carbohydrates into that meal and where that balance was. And then also the flavor and stuff, because I'm you we had a few days of just salad and chicken and it got boring really fast. And then people are thinking, oh man, eating healthy is so hard. And it was like, no, it it can be so much more flavorful and exciting than that. And so that was a huge part of my job was, you know, working, you know, with somebody like yourself. And then this person was in a different place than you were. I think you have, you have that passion for flavors of food too. So yeah, so it's performance oriented is different for, for everybody. Absolutely. And so really customizing those menus I guess I was going to ask for you like uh, on a personal note or just when you are thinking, even though performance oriented is individualized, is there something that for you that you think like makes a complete meal? Like how would you describe like this? Okay, like I think like this is a complete meal for these athletes that I'm
0: serving?
2: Yeah, that's such a great question. I love chatting with dietitians. So this is, I get so geeked out because I know that it's important to you and you also get geeked out. <laughs> um <laughs> I will say too, the majority of the athletes that we work with and in the endurance sports space are really foodies themselves. So they're yeah. really excited about food, which I love. So when I just listen, especially if I'm with a team for a couple of weeks, like if I'm with Adidas for two weeks and I hear them going, oh, did you see this, whatever, or we had this great fill in the blank. And I'm like, I got that. We can put that on the menu and fix it up. Yeah. So it's paying attention to... Carbs, fiber, protein, right? And then h- what is like what's in season? I'll often find mm-hmm. like an item that I'm like, oh my gosh, these golden beets are beautiful. And then, <laughs> and then I need to use them somehow. Mm-hmm. So I'll kind of build something around that and make sure that I have these micros, like the right amount of micros and then macros. I'm a, I always carry a bag with me, Lindsay, filled with seeds. Um, it's just like sesame, sunflower, flax seeds, like uh, hemp seeds. So I put seeds on everything and to just kind of put a bow on it. And then I know like, right. There's more fats in there. There's more like the micros are like a, it's like that bow. It's that, um, that final garnish, the garnishes to food that are Mm -hmm. the prettiest garnishes are often the most nutrient dense things like sprouts, broccoli sprouts, like all those, right. Yeah. There's so much yeah. great stuff in there. And so they look exciting. So everyone's like, Oh, this is so fancy. It adds great visual and physical texture, but they're also loaded mm-hmm. with so much great stuff that nobody knows about until they the conversation is at hand. Right. So yeah. Yeah. It's, it's building from the macros, finishing with the micros. And then like in my head the whole time, and I'm like, is there enough fat in here too? Do I need to drizzle this on top? Do I like the dressings that I might make or a marinade for something? Those are all very strategic. Like what's the fat in there? Can I puree? Should I puree tofu or tempeh or something else into this dressing to add more A, B and C that I mm-hmm. like depending on oil and then, you know, is there different fat and protein and fiber in that? But then on top of that, And this is one of the big reasons my business is successful, is because most chefs don't want to deal with this at all, are the dietary restrictions.
1: Right? Yeah, that can make things challenging. Right. So that's why you're saying most chefs don't want to deal with it because it's like a chef might have an idea of what they want to cook, and it's like, oh, this person is, you know, peanut free in this person is low lactose and Yeah. Like that.
2: And, you know, just, we're a vain bunch, us chefs. we're And we're ego driven because there's, you know, as humans, we have all these insecurities. So when someone's like, uh-huh. this is the food, I'm not going to change it. I'm like, okay, this is where you should work. And this is where you should not work. <laughs> so I yeah. understand that. And I also understand that if a team's out on a ride or climbing or skiing or running, that even though dinner's supposed to be at six, they're probably not going to show back up until seven thirty, which means then they need to shower and they're going to eat at eight thirty. And most <laughs> chefs, <laughs> you know, food's ready. Their food's ready, but I so you have yeah. to have everything dialed and ready so on the fly you can flip that switch. But the, the yeah. dietary restrictions at this point, I just do everything gluten free, dairy free, and nut free. Mm-hmm. And then I always offer like mm-hmm. half animal protein and half plant-based depending on the group. And then I figure out like, and this is why I love spending like a, many days with the team is because I can see who's got what restrictions and who eats what, who doesn't eat what. And then I can plug and play in there. Like how are they getting vitamin D and if they're not eating dairy and how are they, it's mm-hmm. all these things. So it's a lot of juggling, but the the layers of the nutrition classes that I take and the certificate. That I get yeah. on top of how I like understand athletes because I am one. And my husband's a cyclist, and and then I have the the whole other side of I, I'm a professional, lifelong professional chef in working with you know all kinds of goofy things. Anyway, so it just sort of weaves <laughs> weaves things together. But yeah, I hope this all makes sense. And I'm that I'm not just oh, absolutely. <laughs>
0: Thanks to Inside Tracker, I can get insights and feedback on my blood biomarkers whenever I want to. No more waiting for doctor's visits and them telling you you're fine. Instead, you are in control of your health with Inside Tracker. For 20% off any of their products, blood biomarker testing, DNA kit, Interage, Age, head to InsideTracker.com and use the code RiseUp. Take your health into your own hands. Health, wellness, and fitness coaches, listen up. Practice Better is the all-in-one platform that I use to manage my business and my clients. From client scheduling and messaging, hosting sessions, taking notes, creating modules, invoicing, telehealth, building reports, and more, Practice Better is the better way to manage your practice as a nutrition or health or fitness coach. Look no further. Use the link in our show notes and use the code rise up 20 for 20% off your first four months plus a 14 day free trial. I've been using practice better since the inception of my business rise of nutrition, and I couldn't be happier. Again, the code is rise up 20, all caps, use the link in our show notes for 20% off your first four months and a 14 day free trial. Let's get back to the episode.
1: No, no, no. Uh, a couple, interesting things that just as I'm picking up and I'm just like smiling because I love food so much. So as you're talking about it, I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but a few things I want to like pull out for our audience that you said that I just kind of want to like hit on the importance is like, you mentioned the importance of like fats in your meals, you know, for, for flavors, for dressings and just how unique those fats can be. Like, You know, yes, fats can be cooking in butter and oil, but it's also like blending, you know, adding seeds to the top of a meal or creating a a rich dressing that just is really tasty. But then, of course, also is like, oh, this is providing that nutrition to the meal. So I think the importance of fats in a meal for nutrition and for flavor is something I heard you say. And then also, as you were just kind of explaining, like the toppings, like the finishing touches. I'm telling my clients this all the time, because as a dietitian, I, you know, we might say, oh, balance your plate with the carb, the protein, the color. And then, and then people's plates just frankly look really boring, <laughs> you know, and, and I've, you know, I might be a uh, part of the problem of saying, make this balanced plate. But then it's like, wait, it's not done yet. Just because you've got everything on there. And I ask my clients to, what if you were a chef? how would you serve this to someone else? Like if you were at a restaurant, like they would put some sort of finishing touch on it, whether they're grating cheese on it or, you know, adding a little garnish of lemon, like, I don't care what it is, but like add something to your finished plate to make it more exciting. Maybe it's more visually appealing, but frankly, it adds nutrition as well. It totally does. And, um, I had this, uh, client not so long ago and, and at the time when I was trying to think about like the finishing touch, like the best thing that came to my mind was thinking about Emeril Lagasse and how before serving any plate he would go bam and just add the salt on there right before serving it. Right, it's like he cooked this whole thing, but bam, he needs to add more. And of course, I do work with a lot of youth, high school and college athletes. She had just no clue who Emeril Lagasse was. So I'm like, you know, in our client session, like pulling up YouTube videos, we're just watching him go bam, bam, bam. All over so again. And, but um, but it's like how, like, and so I pulled that out from when you were talking about the importance of adding those toppings that just make this meal, like, it's like the finishing touches, but it's not, but it actually is providing that extra boost in nutrition as well. And then I think from more of a, a flavor standpoint, also wonderful. And then just this, like, this mentally stimulating, appealing, maybe even morale boosting meal, you know, of like get, getting excited. And, and for many of the athletes, I would imagine that you're working with, you know, whether, you know, they're utilizing your services because they've got, you know, weeks or months of heavy training or this huge race going on. And it's like, You want to make sure that food is is fuel and nourishment and tastes good, but is also something that mentally keeps them motivated, happy, excited, you know, prepared. And I think that like, you know, even just that aspect of adding a topping, as silly as that might sound, I I see that it can like boost morale and boost mental mood for people.
2: Absolutely. Especially, I was on a month-long project a few, when was this? (laughs) February or like end of February to beginning of April. And it was hard. It was uh, traveling across the United States. Athlete was running like five marathons a week. And the team, we were just all beat up. So there were definite days where I'm like, you could see everyone drag. And it was like, okay, clearly we need something really great for dinner tonight. Like what, (laughs) what is going to be a a great comfort food that just makes everyone feel better that -hmm. there's not a huge, that doesn't feel fussy or like unapproachable to them. And that, that just helps boost everyone's individual and group morale while we're all eating yeah. together. But you know, your comment about the, the balance plate. I wonder if when people hear that, you know, like in the U S we grow up and there's like the drawing of the plate and there's like the separation, the div- dividers in the plate. Right. Maybe that's what people yes. see when they think of the balance plate. So to them, it's, so separate and it, it loses that fun, like actual cooking Mm -hmm. component of it. I'm just trying to think of that. Like if it's something that's new for a client and they hear that balance part, maybe that's like where our brain goes, Mm -hmm. goes a little funny. And then we become sort of, for lack of a better word, boring or a little pedestrian with it is because we're so focused on that. Do I have these things? Do I like, is it balanced? Right. And then it's, Looks like you're on a diet from like the 70s, right? Because we're like chicken. Yes. <laughs> so yeah,
1: the chicken is next to the rice, next to the right? rice. And sprouts. Yes, and and that's what I'm saying. You know, I I'll be the first to admit sometimes I'm part of the problem because I'm trying to teach what balance is, but then like with my clients, like we got to separate. I and I I don't have a good name for it, but I'm just like you got to like throw it all together, you, you know, in a casserole, in a pot, like you know, make some sort of combination meal, like lasagna can still be a balanced meal it's just you got to use your imagination
2: to separate it into Absolutely. Little, like, dividers on the plate yeah, I love you that know so much maybe um yeah one thing that I do when like after I've worked with a client for a while like I've gone on the road with them and then we go our separate ways because the project's over then they often contact me and they're like what should I do with this I felt like I understood what you were doing when you were feeding me, but now that I'm on my own, like what would I do? So I'm like, pick, pick a, let's chat about micro uh, nutrients, right? Instead of macros, like what are the, because they, they're often dialed with the macros or that comes first. It feels yeah. like. Yes. Yeah. It's and an then I'm like, all right, talk to your dietitian about micros and get a list of them. And then shoot me that list of like, here's the most important like things for you. And I'm like, okay, then we'll plug and play items that would fall into those. And now I want you to pick one, just one of those. And how are you going to incorporate it in your next meal kind of thing? So then, Mm -hmm. then like a week goes on. I'm like, okay, pick another one. Pick something else to add to it. Or Mm -hmm. now add it to like, so, so often my husband does this and it made me notice once years ago, for some reason, breakfast and lunch escape that we need this balanced plate so many people are like it's just for dinner and I'm like "What?" (laughs) yes I can see that we focus on that and I don't know where that comes from or if that's an American thing but you know when I sit down for breakfast I have a like myself my breakfast is a salad with eggs on it and a whole bunch of seeds Mm -hmm. and like usually like something fermented like uh sauerkraut or um, kimchi or something. And my husband's like, mm-hmm. you eat the weirdest breakfast? And, and then he sits down and he's eating a bowl of cereal. <laughs> like I know that. And again, I've said this already twice. I'm 52. My labs are so much better than my husband. Who's 44 year old. My mm-hmm. blood work rocks because I am. I pay attention to my balanced meal throughout the day. Yeah. Not just dinner. Yeah. Not just dinner,
1: yeah, I don't know. It must be an American cultural thing of just the, that focus on yeah, dinner, yeah. our lifestyles of our busy you know jobs that get us out the door quickly before we can have breakfast, maybe not even making time or relying on fast food for lunch. I don't know, and then it's like, okay, but dinner and and there's an importance of dinner from a you know family aspect mm-hmm. and sitting down and ending your day and things like that, but yeah the the nutrition piece of can we incorporate balance and nutrients at every meal, not just dinner is yeah. huge. And I love also just the way you're speaking about, you know, branching out, thinking differently, like how, what if we did think about micros first? And I think there's a, a time, you know, everybody's journey with food is going to be different. Like if you know nothing about food, maybe starting with that plate concept is good just to like get the fundamentals, but then you, you got to advance from that. And I can see, honestly, with my work with clients too, when we look, we do these kind of in-depth like nutrient analyses for our clients when it's appropriate and we'll see like, oh, your vitamin E is low. I'm not saying you're vitamin E deficient based on your blood work, but like your intakes over the past week of vitamin E have been really low. And so- here are some foods that have them. And sometimes it is fun to work backwards like that. So even just when you said like putting something fermented on your breakfast, it's like, yeah, if somebody's gut health is struggling or, or they have got no probiotics in their diet, like here's a list of probiotic foods. And if you pick one or two out, like what's a meal you could make with that? Whether it's the focus of the meal or just a topping or something, but it, it gets you to think about food differently instead of just, what's the protein I'm having for dinner tonight? What's the carb I'm having? Because we get stuck in a, in a rut with that versus if we're like, okay, I, you know, let me eat some sunflower seeds for vitamin E. I never, you know, and you never thought of a meal with sunflower seeds before, then that, then that like gets so much more variety in your diet. And it's a really, you know, it's a different way of thinking about it. So I really thank you for, for one doing practicing it yourself, doing it within your business, and then sharing this conversation with our listeners today to you know think, just think about putting a meal together. I don't want to say backwards, but just differently mm-hmm. than maybe our traditional mindsets I think
2: yeah, often I hear this a lot, and I'm sure that you're you hear it hundred times a week, but protein, do I have enough protein? I need more protein. And I'm like, Oh my, I know. I, I hear your eyes roll and I so sympathize with you because I, <laughs> I am like, there's more out there besides protein. But depending on what we are doing, if you did need more protein or you didn't need more fat or whatever, the, what you finish your meal with that garnish does it to be a micro. It yeah. can be more macro, right? Because seeds and nuts are full like fat and oh, yeah. protein, but there's so many other ways you can be like because oh, you know I'll hear people be like, "There's no way I can eat that much protein," and my first question is, "Why do you? Why are you eating that much protein? <laughs> or why do you feel like you need 40 grams of protein every five minutes?" So that's right. an obvious exaggeration, but finishing that meal can look so many ways. And and I mm-hmm. love the fact of someone not even caring how they're finishing it, but it just becomes second nature. And then that when, later when you look at it, you're like, oh, I actually did add all kinds of cool stuff, but that wasn't even my intention. Yeah. And that, that's the good way, yeah. right? I like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And then I probably have one more comment on like the finishing touches of the meal is because I know you are somebody who really prioritizes and cares about like sustainability, whether it be, you know, food packaging or working with local farmers. But as you are maybe prepping your food, this is something I found is like, okay, if I was cutting celery, it's like, don't throw out the celery leaves. I don't even know what you call them, but like, that's a garnish, you know, and there's nutrients in there. And so like, kind of like, I even started, like I used to like with cilantro or parsley, just going with the more herbs right now. Like I used to only use the the leaves leaves Mm -hmm. of it, I guess. Yeah. But now I'm like, I don't care. Just use the whole thing. I use the stem, use everything. And so I don't know. I just wanted to throw that out. There something I've like kind of branched out more so of, of these finishing touches and garnishes and things like that of like whatever you were cooking with, is there something that your mainstream mind thinks isn't a usable portion of the food that actually. Yeah.
2: Is? At first I love, I don't like celery. I love celery leaves. I put them on everything. They're oh, yeah. really, they are bright and they just, I, I use mm-hmm. like celery and lemon zest together to finish so many things. And it just brightens yeah. everything up. It tastes so good. And a lot of, of times we'll think, oh, if I want to add lemon to this, I should use the zo- the juice. There's so much more powerful lemon flavor in the oil on the skin. So if you zest it, it's just mm-hmm. like kapow. And a week or so ago, I did an Instagram story. It wasn't a post, but it was a story on using the avocado pit. Yes. I've dabbled with that. I haven't had much success. So I'm going to have to go look at your, uh, your story if yeah. it's saved or so something. All you do is I don't know. Um, you just roast the pit, like put in the oven. I usually save up until yep. I have like a bag of like a half a dozen in the freezer. I just wash them off and then throw them in, the, in a Ziploc. But like 350, 400 degrees, throw them on a sheet tray. You don't have to put anything else on them. There, If there's a skin on it, it kind of like, dries up and peels off and then let them cool. And then you can slice them and just throw them in like with your smoothie or your fill in the blank, but they taste like dirt on their own. I'm not going to lie, <laughs> like actual dirt, like soil. But if you mm-hmm. fry them up and do a dressing or a smoothie or something, you can't taste it at all.
1: Yeah. And, and providing that extra nutrition. And that that's what I did was in a smoothie. I think maybe just my portion was like too much when mm-hmm. I dabbled with it. But you can also see how like even, I don't know, in a weird way, sometimes that flavor, that earthiness flavor, that dirt flavor, you can see how that might work in some sort of like seedy dressing for a mm-hmm. salad or even in like a chocolate-based smoothie. I can see where you do, you know, cocoa powder, berries, uh, chocolate and berries, and then like the avocado. I can see that like really or going. Or nut butter.
2: There. Like for people who so, make nut butters at Nut butter, butter, yes. That would probably be great yeah. because you wouldn't taste anything. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm
1: oh kelly i could talk to
0: you forever
1: we could <laughs> about just day. like food <laughs> flavors i know just like food flavors and like different tips so hopefully all our listeners like these little tips of like the celery leaves and the avocado or maybe two things that people can actually like take action on should be really cool and then that you know thinking about you know, putting a meal together in in just a different way, maybe thinking about those micronutrients or the importance of fats or the finishing touches. And I want to, as we close out this podcast, just give you one more opportunity. I was on your Instagram recently. You are booked up through October, but just to give, you know, for anybody who is interested in your services, like some things that you've got coming up is like providing food and nourishment for athletes like at Western States, as an example, Broken Arrow, Sky Race, but you are booked up through October. But do you have any other like kind of closing remarks, like your business pitch that you want to share to the world for (laughs) Um, athletes and teams that might be interested in your services? I will
2: say, even if I'm booked, random things always happen. So if someone really wants, if they're like, I'm just going to reach out just in case, Please do because you just never know. There might have been some random mm-hmm. cancellation or an adjustment in a date and I just didn't advertise it and I tried to lay under the radar. But if I'm available and it feels like a good fit, I'll say yes.
0: Yeah, yeah. Reach Absolutely out. Absolutely reach out. Saying. Uh, yeah. I'm yeah. an open
2: book. I do the social media on Instagram. So if you send me a message, that's me. Also our phone that's number's you. on there. Yep. My email is Kelly with a Y at radboulder.com. Yeah. And if it honestly, if it feels like a good fit and I am available and, and a good fit on both sides, then I'll say yes to like, I, I'm up for trying anything, you know, because I, I also learn yeah when I'm out outside the box, like, you know, the more you push yourself and are, in, are like in an uncomfortable zone, that's, that's mm-hmm. what makes us stronger. Yeah. And, and when I say a good fit for both sides, sometimes someone will ask me to do like, Hey, can you jump on this project with us? And the more I discuss with them and hear what they have going on, I'm like, you know what? I think I don't know that I'm the person for you, but here's someone who I think would be great and just really do your project mm-hmm. justice. And I think that's really important because I want everyone to succeed as so well. I, I want everyone's project to to do great and succeed. So, yeah, right.
1: I love that. Well, Kelly, I do finish every episode with a few kind of rapid fire questions. The same for all of my guests. We're gonna. Ask you these as well. If there was one food you could eat every single day for the rest of your life and never get sick of, it,
2: Uh, (laughs) what would it be? Salad. I love you. When when people ask me what's your favorite vegetable, mine's always greens. Like I love greens because there's hundreds of varieties. So for me, it's a salad because I can turn that into so many cool things.
1: Yeah, yeah. I understand where you're coming from.
2: What is your favorite sport Uh, to
1: participate in? And what about as a spectator or a fan? What's your favorite sport to watch? I'm
2: going to say ultra mountain running slash NBA finals. (laughs) Finals are going on right now. I know they're they're so different, 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 but but they're just, yeah. Wild (laughs) fans.
1: Yeah, I love that. So it's really cool that you you also built out some mm-hmm. some work recently with um yeah. with the the NBA too, like you said, because that's a, a passion of yours too. Awesome. And then because this is a female athlete nutrition podcast, if there's a female athlete out there that you want to give a shout out to for being an inspiration, a role model for any reason in your personal mm. life or someone well known. Oh my gosh. Who is so that many, why?
2: right? We're so lucky to have so many. I love that. I would say Magdalena Boulet she's such a hero i mean she's an olympian she she became a an american citizen on 911 the day that of that terrible tragedy that's the day she took her test to become a citizen she's a mom wow. she's recovering from a hip replacement and is so candid and transparent about it and sharing her story of how that's going and she showed up years ago at the front door of goo and asked to learn more about the company they hired her on the spot as an entry-level employee and now she's the president of goo I know. <laughs> she's like what it oh my
1: and i just think about her becoming an american that's a testament of the american dream right of, of working you know built making something of yourself yeah. working your way up and then ran like in the olympics
2: too. like she's a wow. dynamo and she's wonderful and yeah. kind and funny and goofy and just yeah she's brilliant
1: yeah love that so shout out to magdalena for being an inspirational female athlete and thank you kelly for being an inspirational female athlete and chef and for all that you do with your passion with food with fueling with supporting athletes we will certainly be following you along and we'll keep all your information in the show notes for people to to follow your work or reach out if it's in thank alignment you so much with
0: for having needs. me appreciate you Well, everybody, thanks for listening. I really hope you enjoyed that episode. And if you did, if you are a true fan of female athlete nutrition, then I would love if you could support our podcast by spreading the word. Share a review on your listening channel. Give us five stars. It really helps get the word out and get the show more views to positively impact others. Also, you can support the podcast by joining our Patreon. Head to patreon.com slash femaleathletenutrition to consider a donation or even better, join our membership where you get extra monthly content and perks. We don't want you to simply listen alone. We want you to be a part of a community and a movement of fierce fit and fueled female athletes. So patreon.com slash femaleathletenutrition is where you can do exactly that, learn more and join. A huge thanks to our affiliates and partners as well. Once again, Prevenix Inside Tracker or Gain Practice Better Jen and Carrie, please go check them out and their links in the show notes where you can get deals and discounts. Last, be sure that you do more than just listen. If you need help with fueling, it's time to take action. Head to my website to learn more. You can either book a free call with me to learn more about our coaching programs and how we can work directly with you, whether it's the fast track or otherwise, or you can take our online self-study course, Female Athlete Nutrition. You can literally sign up and gain access right now. You can explore our downloadable products, including the Red S Recovery Guide, High Iron Fueling Guide. Or if you are a coach of a team, check out our brand new coaches toolkit for teams. You can also just learn more. We have a blog, a Red S quiz, to see if Red S is affecting you. If you need help, I want you to get help fast. Too many girls and athletes struggle with nutrition, but you don't have to any longer. You can rise up with the power of nutrition, take action today in any of these avenues, and become fierce, fit and fueled links in the show notes, and we'll see you next time.